With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, 11 o'clock hour. Oh, 11.35 or thereabouts. Tom Cakert from HawkeyeReport.com uh, will join the program. We will hear the governor's press conference coming up here uh, in just the next couple of moments. We'll carry that for 25 minutes or thereabouts, assuming she starts on time. Um wish they'd do the press conference before they bring in Sneaky's Chicken. Or, oh, sure, yeah. The, the question uh, and answer portion yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't, just don't know how that plays with the audience. Anyways, we're, we're going to carry him. We committed mm-hmm. to do so. And we will do that and then get to Tom Kicker before we get out of here at noon and head into the weekend with at least some, uh, some sports to watch. I mean, the, the uh, Tiger Phil Brady Manning uh, golf is going to be outstanding. Lance mm-hmm. Armstrong should be good on Sunday night. So We got something going on this weekend. We do have something going on this weekend. We have the Governor Kim Reynolds coming on right now. Here's the Gov. So good morning. In the early weeks of the pandemic, our focus was on mitigating the spread of the virus to protect those Iowans that were at most risk of serious illness and to ensure that Iowa's health care resources would remain stable. We've made significant changes to the way that we live, work, we close schools and businesses and limited our time away from home and in public, all with the goal of avoiding overwhelming our health care system and to make sure that Iowans would have the care that they needed and deserved no matter the circumstances. We saw models projecting staggering numbers of positive cases, hospitalizations, and deaths across our state that would threaten to cripple our health care system. So we did what Iowans always do when faced with a problem. We created solutions. In March, I met with leaders from Iowa's large health systems to discuss their response, but more importantly, how we would plan to respond as one health care system to collectively serve Iowans. And what I've seen since is an unprecedented level of collaboration among healthcare systems and providers working together across regions and across organizations, all in the best interest of Iowans. Our one system approach ensured that we have the healthcare capacity, resources, and expertise needed to care for every patient. Because we're working together as one team, we're ready to care for Iowans whenever and wherever there's a need. I'm extremely proud of Iowa's health care systems from our large, multi-regional health care systems to our rural hospitals and primary care and specialty clinics, home health care teams, and our long-term care facilities. And I am humbled and inspired by the work of every physician, nurse, CNA, medical assistant, lab technician, respiratory therapist, every clinician and non-clinician who's, creating for, who's caring for Iowans with COVID-19. 
Today I want to celebrate the good work happening in healthcare in our state. Not only are our healthcare providers on the front line caring for patients across the continuum of care, they're also conducting research on emergency emerging treatments that will help Iowans recover and ease the severity of the virus until a vaccine is available. Today I've asked the team from the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics to share their expertise and unique perspective about caring for Iowans throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce the group, uh, Shiresh Grunsekran, uh, who is the CEO of University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. And Shiresh, I'm sorry if I butchered your last name. Uh, Dr. Katie Emborek, Associate Professor of Family Medicine and Medical Director of Offsite Primary Care. Dr. Bradley, Bradley Manning, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine. And Dr. Kevin uh, Dershrug, who's the Medical Director of the Medical Intensive Care Unit at the UIHC. So thank you for joining us today and for everything that you've done for Iowans uh, these last few months. Shiresh, why don't uh, you kick things off uh, for the group this morning? Shres, I can't hear you. Can you hear me better now? Yay. Okay. You're good. Uh, we, here at the University of Iowa, we're learning how to use the mute button. <laughs> uh, Us so too. <laughs> Thank you, Governor Reynolds, for your leadership and the support of your entire administration during this time. This has indeed been an extraordinary time in healthcare as we've had to change the way we operate in a short period of time to continue safely delivering care for all Iowans. I can't even begin to describe how proud and grateful I am for what our healthcare team has been able to accomplish. At a time when the rest of the world was self-isolating, Iowa's healthcare workers have stepped forward to tackle this challenge head-on, driven by their fierce dedication for patients. This success is due in part because of the staff who have stepped up to spearhead innovative treatments and implement new operating procedures to keep all of our patients and staff safe. I've asked a few of them here to tell you about their work. Thanks, Suresh. Early in March, UI Healthcare set in motion a plan to care for patients in the community with symptoms of the coronavirus with a focus on decreasing overall rates of transmission to patients and healthcare workers alike. The first part of the plan included directing patients with COVID symptoms to telehealth visits, where they would be evaluated by a healthcare provider, either via video or telephone, at which time a determination would be made whether the patient needed to be evaluated in person by a provider and or if they met criteria for testing for COVID. Over 100 physicians and advanced practice providers across our primary and specialty care departments have provided care for over 8,000 Iowans with respiratory symptoms like fever, cough, and shortness of breath in the comfort and safety of their own homes via telehealth. The second part of our plan was the creation of a dedicated respiratory clinic where in-person evaluation testing and treatment of patients with suspected or confirmed coronavirus would take place. Our dedicated team of nurses, paramedics, and medical assistants have performed over 10,000 swabs to test patients for the coronavirus. The vast majority of them collected without the patients ever having to leave their vehicle. 
The physicians and advanced practice providers in our respiratory clinic have cared for over 1,500 patients with symptoms of COVID, including treating a number of COVID-positive patients with IV fluids and electrolytes when there were signs they were becoming dehydrated. I am confident that the efforts of our amazing team not only prevented hospitalizations, but also positively impacted patient outcomes. By efficiently identifying patients at risk for COVID complications early in the course of disease and appropriately escalating their care to an inpatient setting. And finally, I strongly feel that UI Healthcare's early and decisive actions regarding how to best care for non-hospitalized patients with respiratory illness decrease the overall rate of coronavirus transmission in our community. Thanks, uh, Dr. Mborek. My name is Brad Manning. I'm one of the hospitalists at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, and I'm going to talk briefly about uh, the COVID-19 home treatment team, which is a program that we developed to care for uh, COVID-19 patients um, at home. Uh, hopefully keeping them out of the hospital. Uh, the way this program works is that when one of the patients uh, tests positive for COVID-19, usually in Dr. Mborek's clinic that she described, uh, we send them a kit uh, to their home. That includes a uh, home blood pressure cuff as well as a pulse oximeter, which is a little device that you put on your finger that monitors your pulse and your oxygen level in your blood at home. Then we follow those patients closely by phone with our uh, physicians as well as our nurses. Uh, we call them find out how they're doing, monitor their vital signs that are checked with those devices at home. Uh, and then if the patients are decompensating, if we find that their vital signs are getting worse, we can bring those patients into the hospital in a controlled fashion. Rather than coming through the emergency room or through a waiting area, we bring them directly into the room that decreases the risk of transmission to our healthcare workers as well as to other patients and, and everyone else. Uh, most importantly for the patient, um, sometimes they don't realize how sick they are uh, at home and this is an opportunity for us to bring them in early and provide them early excellent care. Um, over the course of this uh, pandemic, we currently are following 70 patients in this program. We currently have one who's hospitalized right now. We do have one patient who passed away and we've had 500 patients um, discharged from the program as recovered. So we're very proud of that um, success and, and uh, thankful for that uh, result. Um, if, if any uh, other healthcare providers in the state would like to talk more to us about this or our other experience at the University of Iowa, we'd be uh, happy to share that with them. And I'll pass along to Dr. Dorshog here. Uh-oh. Can't hear you, doctor. Sorry, again, still learning to use that mute button. Uh, so I've been working in the medical intensive care unit for a long time. Uh, and our specialty has always been taking care of people with uh, severe respiratory failure. So uh, when COVID-19 hit Iowa, uh, it really was uh, our thing to do to step forward and take care of these patients. From a medical perspective, taking care of critically ill patients with COVID-19 uh, is very similar to what we've been doing for a long time. Again, this is our specialty, uh, uh, having these patients uh, with severe oxygen requirements, trying to keep them off the ventilator. Uh, using advanced uh, oxygen techniques or when they do need to go onto the ventilator knowing uh, exactly how to fine-tune that ventilator to optimize uh, their outcomes. Again, that's something we've been doing for a long time. Uh, we're just now doing on a much bigger scale uh, than we have. 
Uh, we're aggressive with using physical therapy. Uh, even when patients aren't uh, able to stand on their own, we can continue to, to work with them to keep them from losing strength and, and to get stronger. Um, our, our ICU has always been a unit that values teamwork, uh, recognizing that every role is essential to the safety of our patients. Um, we have a team of doctors, advanced practice providers, nurses, respiratory therapists, physical therapists, many others uh, that are well-practiced in state-of-the-art critical care and will work really well together. Um, you know, the street signs say we stand together, uh, but this is more than a slogan for us in the intensive care unit. We're feeling this every second of every day. Our teams are growing closer and closer. Uh, and, and our patients are doing really well, uh, much better than we expect based upon other hospitals' experiences. Um, obviously, we never want anyone to be admitted to an intensive care unit, but we're honored to be able to care for these patients during their worst moments. And, and we're really proud of our results. Um, you know, we've seen amazing outcomes. Everyone is shining. Um, we really love our jobs and we love being able to provide this care to our patients. Thank you, Suresh. Thanks, Dr. Dorshik. I've uh, actually had the opportunity to visit the medical ICU and see firsthand the work that Dr. Dorshik and his team are doing. And I was not only incredibly impressed, but I was really touched uh, in the manner uh, that they did it. It's the combined efforts of all these teams to provide better screening up front, to establish a separate dedicated unit for patients with COVID, to create a protocol to care for patients with milder cases of COVID at home, to establish our own COVID testing lab to provide more testing capacity. All of these things have helped us keep the hospital safe for all patients we serve, regardless of their healthcare needs. And we're committed to keeping UIHC one of the safest places in Iowa. But we do have one final ask for everyone. The improving circumstances in our state are because Iowans are doing their part, practicing good safety habits, such as maintaining social distancing, wearing masks, hand washing, and sanitizing. I encourage each and every one of you to keep that up as we continue well into our recovery. Also, remember, healthcare is available when you need it in a safe environment. Don't put off your essential healthcare. Please call your provider. Thank you again for all that you do, and thank you, Governor Reynolds. Thank you, uh, Suresh, and thank you to all of you for joining me today and really um, sharing your experience and your innovative treatment and teams of healthcare providers that are making a difference for Iowans uh, all across the state and especially in your area. And I love the 500 uh, that have recovered. Those numbers are exciting, and I completely concur with your final comment, Suresh. Uh, Iowans are doing a great job, and we need them to continue to do what they're doing, and we're going to continue to see the positive outcomes. And uh, so so we're, we're in this together, and we just honestly appreciate so much all that you're doing. Healthcare is both a science and an art, and hearing about the compassion and care that you and your team uh, and healthcare providers across the state have delivered to Iowans these last several months, it's just been incredible. So keep up the good work, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, I appreciate it very much. Thanks for your leadership and for the, par uh, for the partnership. It's very much appreciated. So uh, yesterday I announced that the criteria for Test Iowa has been open to allow any Iowan to be tested regardless of symptoms or potential exposure to the virus. As of 8 a.m. this morning, nearly 1,700 appointments were scheduled at sites across the state. For Iowans returning to work in restaurants and retail stores or other establishments that serve the public, this is a resource that you can use at any time to ensure your health and well-being. For healthcare workers, first 
responders and law enforcement who are at high risk of exposure at work, having the ability to be tested frequently is important. And for anyone who's symptomatic or thinks that they may have been exposed, getting tested as soon as possible is critical, whether it's a test Iowa site or through your own doctor. Increasing the number of Iowans tested is one of the best things that we can do for the overall health of our state. So if you're interested in being tested, remember the first step is to complete an assessment on testiowa.com. Even if you've already taken an assessment, uh, you'll need to take it again or be sure and take it when you get the reminder if you've taken one before. Your health changes from day to day and the information you provide tells us about your condition and it might also identify other information that's important for public health and may identify new trends that will help us uh, continue to better understand the virus. Once you've completed the assessment, you'll be prompted to schedule an appointment for um, at a test site near you. And remember that you have to have an appointment before you can get tested. Through information provided in the assessment, we're, able, we're also able to identify communities where a site could be beneficial. New test sites will be opening next week in Burlington, Council Bluffs, Marshalltown, and Sioux Center. Test Iowa's mobile, site, mobile testing model, it really does make it possible uh, to quickly oper operationalize a temporary site in a community where virus activity is increasing or where access to testing is limited. Over time, when we see the test volume decrease, we see that the test volume decreases, sites are moved to other uh, community where we see that there's a need. The Sioux City site, which opened on May 4th, will close today when testing concludes at 6 p.m., but testing does remain available in the area through the local FQHC, which has provided a great share of the tests um, test that have been conducted there already. And the new test Iowa site in Sioux Center will also be an option. While life is beginning to feel more normal, we can't forget that the virus still remains in our communities. We must continue to take personal responsibility for our health and the health of others, just like you have done over the last 11 weeks. As we move into the Memorial Holiday Weekend, please enjoy the weekend and the extra time with family and friends, but do so in a safe and responsible manner. Over the weekend, the state of Iowa will be conducting planned system maintenance, which starts later today at 6 a.m. starts later today and it will run through 6 a.m. on Monday. So some state agency websites will be down or in some cases not updating, and that would include the coronavirus.iowa.gov site. So during this time frame, the website will not reflect current information, but instead, to keep Iowans updated, our office will be releasing um, updated numbers through a, a press release. So finally, um, uh, as I wrap up, I heard a story yesterday I think that represents what's best about Iowans, and I want to leave you with that today. It's Heather Cadu, who is the co-owner of Live Action 563, and that's a gym in Bettendorf. So when COVID-19 hit her business hard, she reached out to the state for assistance through the Small Business Relief Grant Program. After applying for and being notified that she'd been awarded the grant, this is the note that we received from her. I received notification that I qualified for the second round of the grant money, but we did receive a payment, or excuse me, a paycheck protection 
program loan forgiveness since applying for the grant. So we would like the money to be passed down to someone who is suffering more than us. We're allowed to reopen this weekend, so thank you for your consideration, Heather Kiddo. So thank you, Heather, and uh, we appreciate that, and we hope things are going well, and thanks for your consideration of other small business owners as we move through COVID-19. With that, we'll open it up for questions. Uh, one question about the uh, childhood inflammatory disease, Dr. Bidotti, that you mentioned earlier this week. Uh, you mentioned there were two cases. Have there been any more cases reported on that? Yeah, thank you for the question. There have not yet been any additional reports, um, but we have issued, as you saw, that reportable order. Um, and so we do continue to want to make sure that we're making our partners aware and sharing information about that. Yeah, are those children recovering? Uh, those children are stable, yes. Okay. Uh, Governor, um, a question. Uh, sorry, I'm getting questions from a lot other reporters here. Uh, are you going to lift the prohibition on, or the the on bottles and can re redemption? Oh. Lots of people are asking about that. Yeah. So we're going to continue to know it expires on the 27th or the 28th next week, and so uh, we're reviewing the entire declaration and we'll be making those decisions moving forward. You know, for a while, Kathy, I don't anticipate us removing a lot of those regulatory. Um, Amendments that we've put in place. So, but we're going to continue to look at that, and and, and we'll give Iowans an update next week. Governor, what uh, factors led to the closure of those Sioux City and Waterloo test Iowa sites? Well, as I've indicated, as we start to see the numbers de decrease, and, and actually, we, Dr. Bradati brought this up this morning, and we were able to look at the data. Uh, as of uh, today or yesterday, I think one in 11 Iowans in Woodbury County on a per capita basis has been have been tested. And actually, as I indicated, um, a majority of their tests are already being done by a local health care provider. So they're still going to have access to testing. This just gives us an opportunity to take that test Iowa site and actually move it up to Sioux Center, which is still relatively close and in the area. So they'll have access to significant uh, testing. We just, as we look at the numbers and we look at the numbers tested and we start to see a decline, then that gives us an opportunity to reallocate and relocate some of our test Iowa sites. We're still hearing some reports from people, though, who have been on the site multiple times, can't get an appointment, uh, including people here in Polk County. Yeah. Do you anticipate that changing? Well, it's, this is one tool, Kathy. So this isn't the only way to get tested. And, you know, in three weeks, we've done a significant ramp up. And I gave the numbers in my remarks of the number of individuals that were running through. In fact, this morning, as of 830, we had over 1,600 Iowans who have scheduled a test, not just in Polk County, but throughout the state. And so as we ramp up and we continue to enhance the processes, we're going to get better at that. And we're going to be able to meet the expectation of Iowans. But in the meantime, again, this is one um, process. We're going to have, you can still go to clinics, you can still go to your hospitals. There's a lot of other options that are available for Iowans. And when you take a look at that holistically, we are providing incredible testing opportunities for the citizens of Iowa. And it's going to be extremely helpful as we continue to open up and recovery, recover, and to really maintain and manage and um, contain the virus activity in the state of Iowa. 
With the new unemployment figures coming out today, is there any talk of additional stimulus for Iowans on top of what the federal government's already considered? Yeah, so, you know, that's what I was referring to yesterday. There's there's a lot of different things that we have to look at when we're looking at not only, um, you know, managing the health of Iowans, but we also have to look at the livelihood of Iowans and the state of our economy. And so that's why with testing and the significant robust case investigation that we're able to put in place with the new serology testing that the Iowa State Hygienic Lab is bringing on board. All of that information really gives us the opportunity to continue to open up Iowa's economy and to do that in a safe and responsible manner. And so, you know, as we move and continue to move into the recovery phase and we continue to ease the mitigation restrictions that we put in place, that's going to help, I think, with Iowa's unemployment numbers and it'll help us kind of continue to um, look at where we can be impactful with the additional CARES money that we've seen uh, that's been um, that the state has been able to allocate from the federal government. Debbie, D Department of Economic Development, put the small grant um, loan program in place, and that really was bridge financing that got a lot of our small businesses through their opportunity to apply for the PPP loans from the federal government. Iowa did very well. Over 50,000 businesses, almost $5 billion was able to be brought into the state to help our small businesses stand up and get through this difficult time. Uh, they have a second round out there, so we're still having small businesses have the opportunity to apply for that. And then as we begin to open up and get Iowans back to work, then hopefully businesses will see their, their numbers continue to kind of come back and rebound from COVID-19. A lot of people are following the website very closely as they're making their own decisions about yep. uh, whether they go out or not. Yep. Uh, one question we get often is, are you going to release zip code level numbers that you've talked about uh, here in this forum, forum? And secondly, people being confused with the new website on how to track deaths. Um, it, like today, uh, the numbers that you, the, if you add up the numbers, it's not going to add up necessarily to what gets reported people are confused by that so so the overall death is, is accurate the number is right it just the time lags with when it comes in and so the overall case is the reflects the the actual number and that's based on the date on the death certificate so t sometimes that lags in how we report them so even though we have a number that's reported today sometimes that's actually reflected over the previous three to four days depending on when it comes in so the number is right you will just continue to see am I explaining this right okay you will continue to want to verify but this is how I as I'm going through it too I spend a lot of time on that website just like Iowans you know looking at the data but as it comes in then we will adjust the numbers based on the day um, that the day of death that's on the desk yeah, you may not want to do this but people are asking would you consider returning to announcing the numbers uh, well, no, they can get it every day you all announce it every day you're doing you know as before I come into the press conference I get alert after alert for from the media that's um, recovering. So we just, you know, you can't, you just can't focus on one thing. We need to look at three-day trends. We need to look at 14-day trends. We need to look at the positivity rate. That's continuing to go down. And that's great. La yesterday, I think it was, what, 7.7 or almost 8%. Overall, it's like 14.1%. And that is really kind of a reflection of the testing that we're able to do. So, I mean, you know, the more that we test, that is going to fluctuate. So our positive numbers are going to continue to go up. 
up, but we need to look at the, the trends and we need to look at the positivity rates and we need to look at the, the days to double. I mean, I think that's at 23 right now, which really speaks to the spread of the virus. So that's a really positive number. We had 14. We had, I think our hospitalization numbers were down 14 yesterday. They've been extremely stable. Now we're watching that every day. I mean, I wait, I, you know, I'm laying in wait for that report to come in about three o'clock every day so I can see, you know, how we're doing as a state and how Iowans are doing to respond to the pandemic. So there's a lot of positive things. And again, nothing is a mandate. People have to be personally responsible. If they feel comfortable, go out there, tiptoe into it, you know, take your face covering if you can't social distance and businesses. I just continue to be so incredibly impressed at the responsible and thoughtful manner that they're taking in reopening um, their businesses. And just zip code. Zip oh, code. I don't you want to talk about that. No, I, I would just say thank you for the question. And again, I think, you know, we fully appreciate that when things change, it can be a little bit hard. I think that our goal all along has been, as we learn more, to turn around and make that information as readily available for people as quickly and clearly as we can. So we are looking into ways to do that, um, you know, to make sure that, again, as we receive information that helps Iowans to make safe and healthy choices, we're making that available. All right, uh, Governor Kim Reynolds, her uh, press conference. We'll take a timeout uh, back into sports. Tom Caker did the Cyclones earlier. Let's get the Hawks at 11.35 or thereabouts. Tom Caker will join the program. HawkeyeReport.com. Miller and Condon take you till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Point Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Let's get our guy Tom Cakert in here. A lot of comings, goings, pursuant to Kirk Ferentz's program. Tom Caker with the very latest on it, as well as some Big Ten conference news. Is It seems as though the Big Ten is opening up. Illinois announced this morning that they will open up their training center on the 3rd of June. So, Things are starting to pop. Tom Caker joins us. Tom, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. Tom Caker, how are you? Doing terrific. Hope you guys are doing well. Absolutely, Tom Caker, doing the best we possibly can. So let's start with the uh, uh, the news from yesterday, I guess, is probably where we should start. And we'll get to some of the uh, uh, defections, if you will, from the uh, from the football program. Uh, but some, some really good news. How do you say his name? Is it Heflin, Hefline? Heflin. Heflin. Uh, Plug and play, immediately eligible, led uh, Northern Illinois in sacks last year, uh, forced fumbles last year, Uh, a real good player on that Northern Illinois defense, and there's a spot for him in Iowa. How did this come together, Tom? I think that this is a really good fit. Yeah, it is, and um, it's just kind of interesting. You know, he was going to graduate, and and he grew up a Hawkeye fan. He's from... uh, and went to high school at Erie Prophetstown, which isn't far from me. And uh, big Hawkeye family. Uh, you know, Brett Bielema grew up in uh, Prophetstown, so a uh, farm there. So, um, you know, a lot of Hawkeye history in that area. And, um, uh, you know, he uh, ended up 
Iowa ended up uh, getting involved with them, and uh, it's a neat position. Yep. You lose Cedric Lattimore, you lose Brady Reese, got Davion Nixon back, uh, Noah Shannon, Austin Schulte, but um, you know both those guys didn't play a ton last year. Uh, so it gives you an experienced hand that can come in there and you can have you know, kind of a true two deep uh, at the defensive tackle position this year. And that's just so important and, and slowing down the run game. So uh, I think this is a, a, you know, kind of a home run sign for Iowa. You know, a couple of years ago, the uh, oh, the defensive end from Northern Illinois got a lot of pub before that game to begin the season, but he was a 230-pound speed rusher. You think defensive tackle coming in from the MAC? how big is this guy? He's listed at 319 pounds. So this isn't an undersized, try-hard kid coming in from the MAC. This is some dudes with some beef, and with Nixon on the other side, that's a pretty formidable one-two punch of defensive tackle. Yeah, he's a big farm kid, you know, big, uh, you know, country strong kind of kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it worked out that he gets the, you know, he was, uh, he's given those quotes in the past about how big it was when, uh, Iowa got the, when he got to play in Iowa City and how important that was to him. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a great, great get for, for Iowa, especially when you're considering we're in, we're in May and, uh, right. you know, you can, you can find a play a player like that that you can probably plug right in and and uh, you know I don't know if he'll start but he definitely gonna play a lot. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think you were thinking of was it Sutton Smith? Sutton Smith, yep, Sutton Smith. Anyway, uh, Tom, Smith. yeah, he was he is an impact player, no doubt about it. Let's uh, go to what a lot of Hawkeye fans hoped Ezra Miller was going to be. Uh, leave his mark there. He's not. And, and Tom, what a courageous young man uh, coming out and making the statement that he did. Uh, it, it had to be difficult to do, uh, yet he did it. And uh, Ezra Miller is going to uh, make his way to the transfer portal, and I would assume play closer to home. But that's not a given. Yeah, I would think so too. And and yeah, he had the the back problems. He did have some of that, um, you know. But it was, and and we had kind of heard about this, but I, I'm never going to reveal anything like that, um, you know, about a kid because that's their that's their thing. And the right. mental health thing is just such a tough deal. And, um, you know, we saw that with, uh, with, with Sean Welsh mm-hmm. and, and, you know, how he ultimately talked about his battles with depression and, and mental health issues. Um, you know, even yesterday we were talking to Austin Schulte, uh, on uh, a zoom call and, and he even talked about, uh, how he's using those, uh, the services that Iowa has put together, where you can, you know, and they're sending out weekly surveys to guys. Are you having anxiety? You need somebody to talk to, um, and, and reaching out proactively to guys during this tough time. And it's a, it's a tough time for a lot of people and a lot of anxiety. So, um, I was, I'm just happy Ezra's going to keep playing football now. Unfortunately, because he signed away basically and said he was done and it was a medical thing that, uh, he can't. Uh, he won't, wouldn't be allowed to come back to Iowa, so um, which is what I think maybe he would probably want to do. Uh, mm. But uh, he's going to probably end up someplace closer to home, and maybe that's for the best, given uh, given his uh, you know struggles from last year. Tom, you had an opportunity yesterday to get on a Zoom meeting with Chauncey Golson, Amir <laughs> Smith, Marset, and Schulte. Tell us a couple of the takeaways that you had meeting with those three guys. 
Um, probably the big thing, uh, at least top line for uh, fans, uh, is Amir talking about being able to go out and work with uh, uh, Spencer Petras, and they go out every other day, and it's him, Brandon Smith, Regani, a few other guys uh, all go out, and, and Spencer's throwing the balls, running routes, doing all those things that, uh, that mm. you need to do. Uh, to get that timing down, and he just he talked about Petrus, and he said he doesn't have a cannon that uh, that Nate Stanley does, but he's got better touch. Uh, he's more of a touch passer, and he's he's really good at that. So um, I, I think that uh, he's he seems pretty excited about Petrus and what he can do. So um, and and Amir's pretty excited about the offense. He sure is. When, that, that, that they could be, you know, he, he says I'm kind of dreaming about how explosive they can be. So I, I thought that was interesting. And, um, you know, Golson talking about how Chris Doyle set up six uh, basically gyms and garages around Iowa City for the players that they're uh, wherever they're living in, in different houses and like four or five of them live together. And so guys can go over there and they can, uh, they can get their work in, in, you know, get their lifts in squat racks and uh Schulte even talked about how he built a bench and a squat rack with two by fours because <laughs> uh, he's a he's at home in Pella so he did you know he he built it in his parents garage and built it with two by fours and everything so that was I thought that was pretty cool too you know as, as uh, Smith Marcel was saying the uh the buzz around the offense Tom it's legit I mean the receiver room got deeper didn't lose anybody uh excited to see Laporta take a step forward uh this year came out of nowhere buyer still there of course Tyler Goodson has uh, Hawkeye fans salivating what his potential might be and meanwhile Mackay Sargent's still there and Ivory Kelly Martin so offensively uh this is a really good group and this is a team that that should score some points. It is, and and you've got you know a, a really good left tackle in Eric Jackson to protect mm-hmm. the blind side. Yeah. You've got uh, you know a stud center and Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, you're bringing in Coy Cronk, who will help them. Uh, the kid from Indiana who's a grad transfer. I mean, the offensive line should be pretty good. You got uh, shooter back at guard, yeah. and you know maybe plug in a Mark Callenberger at guard. You've got. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things to be excited about offensively. Really, the biggest question mark is Petrus. I mean, all the all the other pieces I think are there, but it's what's what's Petrus going to look like when the when the lights are on him a little bit more? Uh, and we really haven't seen that, so that's the the big mystery. But uh, I was uh, you know enthused by what uh, uh, from an Iowa perspective what, with what uh, Amir said about how they've been working and, and the chemistry they have. So there's continued speculation about what college football is going to look like in terms of fans in the stands, what the schedule is going to be, moving up, moving back, all kinds of things that are out there. Heard Gene Smith out at Ohio State talking about the plan at Ohio Stadium. What have you heard, even rumblings, rumors, about on the Iowa side of things, what Kinnick Stadium, at least what the plan is right now that they're trying to work through? Yeah, uh, just some minor things that I've heard that they're, you know, looking at uh, buying a bulk of masks and things like that, and and potentially for fans to be in the stands. But any fan level that's going to be in stands is pretty much going to be along the guidelines that Gene Smith is talking about, where it's about twenty percent. 
of capacity. So whatever that is for Iowa, you know, uh, 15,000 people, 10,000 people, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, I think would be, you know, the, the most logical conclusion. Uh, but you'd have to wear masks. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what Iowa does if they they just, you know, kind of go on that point system and say, do you want to use your tickets this year or not? And that's probably how it's going to, I would guess, work uh, based on, on past experience. Uh, Tom Caker at com is our guest. Tom, what are you hearing is when uh, when, when will they uh, open open things up in, in Iowa City for the, you know, for the basketball team to work out, for the football team? We saw Illinois make their announcement today. The Big Ten uh, has alluded it's going to be early June that they're going to, um, you know, give them the thumbs up, if you will, as a from a conference perspective. What about Iowa? Hearing any dates? Yeah, we've heard uh, June um, June eighth as the you know kind of return for what they're what they'll probably call voluntary workouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was going to phase things in from what we've been told. They're going to probably bring in seventy guys right out of the gate. Uh, I know a lot of guys are uh, either come back in town or, or planning on getting back in town here in the next week or so. And um, and then they'll gradually increase it, you know, like ten more each week to kind of get up to over the hundred mark, and and uh, and then kind of go from there. By uh, you know July, you probably got everybody there. The interesting thing will be, what do they do? Do they allow like a, a little? I don't know. I guess you would call it almost like a mini camp. They're not going to put pads on or anything, mm-hmm. but just for them to get out and do quote unquote football things because this first month is going to be really all about strength and conditioning tom caker at hawkeyereport.com tom great stuff uh real quick dj johnson was how big of a a much bigger surprise i guess uh that dj johnson's moves on of course he had a couple of starts lost his role did he not uh last year when um i was at moss that came back somebody came back and took his spot but how big of a surprise was dj johnson yeah, a little bit of a surprise just because, um, you know, I thought he would wait. But, you know, remember last year he started at the cash and lasted two possessions. Yeah, and then right. they had to get him off the field. And Dalton took that spot. And it looked like he was going to be probably the fourth cornerback behind Hankins, Moss, and Brent. So kids want to play. Mm-hmm. So um, they're going to go somewhere and, and uh, find an opportunity. Yeah, there's another kid. Can't wait to see his next step progression-wise. Dane Belton yeah. certainly emerged last year and flashed stuff from time to time. Tom, have a great long weekend. We'll talk to you in a week, okay? Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com, as he joins us as we talk Hawks. going to take another break? Let's take one more before we wrap up the week. Indeed. Get the three-day weekend. I'm all for it. Yes. I'm all for it. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO1. Business owners, real estate agents, are you looking for an experience, proven, and locally owned partner in central Iowa for your commercial construction needs? Make it Roshan Corporation. Roshan Corporation will guide you through options to make your dreams a reality. Roshan, your general contractor who can build anything from small tenant improvement spaces to large-scale design-build projects. It's Roshan Corporation. Online at RoshanIA.com. If you can dream it, we can build it. All right, Miller and Condon down the home stretch. Murph and Andy coming up at 2, Fanatics at 4. Of course, Saturday morning pregame, Emery Songer, Sean Roberts tomorrow morning 
on the radio at 8 a.m. And then we're all going to take off Sundays, normal, and Monday as well. There'll be no local programming on Monday. So a long weekend. Got some sports on Sunday, which Mm -hmm. should be fun. The uh, golf with... Tiger and Peyton versus uh, Brady and uh, Phil Mickelson. That'll be fun. I'll probably watch some of the Coca-Cola 600. You will. A little bit. And then Lance Armstrong. Boy, he was an SOB, you know. He he stepped over a lot of people on his way to the top. and Kicked them when they were down. Yeah, he did. I mean, just... uh, Threw dirt on them. And ruined careers by his lying, by his cheating. So I'm anxious to see how this uh, is portrayed uh, this Sunday night, and then the following. I don't, is it? I know it's two Sundays. Is it one hour or two? Do you know? I'm not sure in time. Yeah, in terms of how long each of the episodes, but I do know it's two. Right. Two Sundays. That we'll yeah, be we've got the it. next six Sundays, right? Then once these two are done, then we get Bruce Lee for two, and then Sammy versus McGuire. So you're going to go visit your family. Yep, going to go see the parents nice. up in New Hampton, going to Chickasaw County. Chickasaw County, well, yes. that should be fun. Give the grandparents an opportunity to see the grandkids. They're excited for that, no I doubt. Also going to be celebrating Ella's birthday. She turns five at the beginning nice. of June. But While they're up there, may as well yep. cash in. It's my mom's birthday, too, so uh, oh, yeah. do a dual birthday. Checking a lot of boxes, Trent Cotton, yeah, with your trip. That's what you got to do because starting June 15th. Yeah, you're busy. So I was thinking the last, I believe, live programming that we had on KXO was the high school state championship. Sports, you mean, live sports yeah. program, yeah. And Ankeny won the championship yep. there in basketball. Bit of a surprise as they made that run to the title as the number seven seed in our first sporting event, live sporting event back. Mm. Will be high school baseball. High school baseball. Waukee and SEP. Uh, the anticipations. Uh, it, it's 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 at levels never seen before. Yeah, and it truly is. It truly is uh, due to the circumstances. And there's so. going to be the nation watching. Yeah, for sure, for and sure. And I believe we're going to pull it off. I think so too. I do. I really do. I think we're going to pull it off, and uh, all of the uh, the boxes to check, and the uh, the list of things that uh, the do's and you nor, uh, can no longer do. Um, They'll get this right. They'll get this right. You know, I'm going to start, uh, I'm drafting an email right now that I'm going to send out to the ADs just uh, talking about them. I know, for the most part, every athletic director in the CIML pretty well, but the press boxes in baseball, they're small. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's me and a PA guy up there. So will you be outside? Is that what you're going to... Is, is it set up a table and just, you know, drop an extension cord? There's some of the parks, actually, that's how I'd have to do it, too, yeah. just because there isn't room, but figuring that out and... Well, the bigger press boxes are going to be fine, but got to make sure that there's not as many people maybe that hang out up there yep. that aren't really supposed to be up there. Well, that's for sure. Those and, and those are all kinds of parameters that are still hurdles that are still in front of figuring all this out. But and you're right. figure it out because it. you're going to carry it into high school football. Right. So there'll be a lot of lessons learned during high school baseball. You all know, in right. football, I think it's an outdoor event. It's bigger, bigger mm-hmm. stadiums. But our first fall sport indoors will be volleyball. That's got to be a big question mark, too. And volleyball, another huge sport inside the state borders. Yeah, no doubt. But you're going to be doing it inside and how different that's going to be mm-hmm. and figuring out leading into basketball and wrestling. Well, uh, we will get baseball first and foremost June the 15th. Well, enjoy the weekend. I'm going to do what I always do on Memorial Day, and that's get up and drive around the cemetery on northeast, uh, just off of 2nd Avenue. I love the fact your country, I mean this country, they put the American flag on all the grays. Yeah. I just... For whatever reason, Trent, that affects me in a positive way. I think it's so cool. So I do that every Memorial Day weekend. Have a great weekend. I will. We'll see you Tuesday. Uh, And you will. And we'll be back. Murph and Addy, too. Fanatics at four. Miller and Condon, thanks for being with us. 1460 Kicks and 106.3 FM.